Beyond the Stethoscope, the podcast for veterinarians, healthcare providers, and busy professionals who want actionable, implementable solutions surrounding work-life balance, accomplishing your goals, and living your dreams. I'm your host, Dr. Angela Demery. We are here today with Dr. Lisa Greenhill, who currently serves as the Senior Director for Institutional Research and Diversity at the Association of American Veterinary Medical Colleges, otherwise known as AAVMC. Dr. Greenhill directs the association's internal study of academic veterinary medicine through collaborative research, analysis, and publication efforts. She also manages the DVM Diversity Matters Initiative, which promotes increased representation of underrepresented persons in academic veterinary medicine, inclusive academic environments, and the inclusion of diversity-related professional competencies in the DVM curriculum. Dr. Greenhill previously served nearly three years with the AAVMC, during which time she managed legislative and regulatory policy issues, including agricultural production, biomedical research, professional education, food safety, and environmental health. She holds a master's in public administration with a concentration in public policy from George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia, and a doctorate in education from Benedictine University in Lyle, Illinois. She is mom to an amazing daughter and a terrier mix. Well, Dr. Greenhill, thank you so much for being here with me today. Anything you'd like to add to your introduction? No, thanks a bunch. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be on your show. Well, thank you so much. And for our listeners, I kicked off 2019 with a promise to discuss big issues, big ideas, and provide real-world actionable solutions that we can all implement in our daily lives as busy professionals. So often, we just don't know what we don't know. And sometimes, we don't know how to start a conversation about important and dynamic topics. These podcasts are meant to start a meaningful conversation. So if you'd like to see additional guests share another viewpoint around any of these topics, please send an email to Angela at pauseconsulting.com with your comments and suggestions for future podcast guests and topics. I absolutely cannot wait to hear from you and look forward to your insights and thoughtful comments. I will cite all articles referenced in this podcast in our show notes, so you don't have to stop what you're doing and scramble around to find a pen and paper. So with that, let's jump right in. Lisa is here with me today to help us discuss leadership and help us improve our leadership skills through gaining a better understanding of inclusion and diversity and helping us to better understand what diversity and inclusion really means, what it looks like, and how can each of us make a positive impact on the world around us? Lisa, I'd like to start by highlighting some reports that discuss how more diversity leads to increased profits for companies and how more and more companies are valuing leadership skills around the idea of diversity and inclusion in their hiring decisions. Anything you'd like to add to that? <laughs> sure. Um, there's a lot of research um, on this subject matter, and a lot of books have been written. Um, I think some of the most notable research probably has come out of the Harvard Business Review and that journal. There's a lot of research that says the more diverse your team, the more kind of cognitive diversity that you'll have, and the more likely you'll have a team that produces really cool ideas 
really cool productivity and will really kind of make things more profitable, make things go better, all of those kinds of positive things that we're always looking for in our business settings. It doesn't necessarily mean that managing diversity will be easier. There's some tools and skills that kind of need to come along with more diversity, but it does absolutely. The, The research is very, very clear on the fact that more diversity in terms of your leadership, your kind of your workforce and all of that leads to more profitability. And just to share with our listeners, for example, a Forbes article from January of 2018 shared some current research stating that gender is not the only side of the story. Companies with more culturally and ethnically diverse executive teams were 33% more likely to see better than average profits. At the board of directors level, more ethnically and culturally diverse companies were 43% more likely to see above average profits, showing a significant correlation between diversity and performance. And as busy professionals, hiring managers, or members of a team, how can we be positive influences in our workplace? So there's a lot of great research on kind of what those leadership attributes are, right? And kind of what we bring, all of us who are air quote different, bring to the table. Certainly most of that research is focused on gender, but as you've mentioned and alluded to, it's broader than that. And so some of those skills will be being very thoughtful, deliberate, and creative around where to search for talent. And so it's not just kind of going to the same well that we've always gone to to look for new talent if you have a position open, but really kind of thinking more broadly, thinking outside of your traditional networks, looking for opportunities to advertise or kind of drop a a piece of info on someone maybe that you wouldn't have before to kind of tap into another set of uh, another talent pool might be one way of of doing that. Any suggestions for how we might go outside of our current thought processes and and jump into or tap into additional talent pools? Sure. So for example, I got a call this week from one of our member institutions. um, And of course, I work with colleges. And so a lot of times at the institutional level, vice presidents and provosts are saying, well, you know, you need a more diverse pool of applicants. Um, And so I had a call saying, well, how do I how do I do that? We had a really great conversation about kind of where does that institution typically recruit versus where they could recruit. So for example, this institution was looking for a particular type of veterinary specialist, board certified specialist, right? Instead of kind of all of the usual suspects, I said, hey, maybe you should reach out to the Facebook group on Multicultural Veterinary Medical Association or Diversity in Veterinary Medicine and saying, post your job listing there. Those are not places that he even knew existed. And it's free. It's on Facebook. Just drop that (laughs) that job listing there. And even if there's not someone in that group, that will get shared to someone maybe that, that you really probably wouldn't have been able to recruit otherwise. Oh, that's such great insight and something that I hadn't even considered. I'm I'm thinking, you know, LinkedIn, but a lot of times some of these social networking sites really only pull from your immediate or, you know, maybe pretty close network pools as well. And and so I I didn't ever want to, you know, suggest social media because it could be so narrowing. But at the same time, as you point out, it, it could really be very broadening as well. And so what a great way to to expand those searches. 
Absolutely. Um, a lot of times you're right. We have kind of these um, echo chambers or self-replicating uh, groups that we're in, right? Everyone is kind of just alike, just like us. But there's certainly opportunities on social media to kind of tap into groups that we're not like or groups that maybe we have alliances with but don't necessarily deal with all the time. But there are certainly a number of Facebook groups that we can certainly put on the, the show page later that lend themselves to being able to tap into different types of talent pools. Great. I know some of these reports have been discussed widely since 2015 or even before, and the research has been repeated with similar results. So we know that increased diversity equals better profits for businesses and oftentimes better places to work for employees. So why aren't leaders with diverse backgrounds more readily embraced? Well, I think that it's a bit of unconscious bias. Well, one, again, when we are looking for talent, we like ourselves, generally speaking, (laughs) and we want to replicate that. We want to work with someone who's kind of like us in some whatever that like us attributes are. And so so it's a bit of a bias that kind of we default to kind of what we know versus what we necessarily really want. And oftentimes we'll say what we want, but not necessarily select for it. And so it really is an opportunity for us to kind of practice what I call disruptive thinking. Instead of uh, saying, okay, well, I know that I want, you know, someone who's board certified in this and this and this, and they're from this school and uh, like take an opportunity to stop and say, what is it that we really want in terms of talent? Don't just look to fill a position, but what is it in terms of talent that we're really looking for and make that list and maybe kind of think about what some of those, I mean, non-negotiables are. I mean, if you're board certified, you're board certified, right? But what are some of those other things that um, maybe you could be looking for? Is there an opportunity to recruit someone who is a different gender than what you would normally recruit as a default or someone who is a different race? or nationality or, or whatever that attribute is. Really practice that disruptive thinking. And, I, and a lot of times, specifically with unconscious bias, I talk about the neuroscience that leads up to neuro unconscious bias. And so, you know, the brain is very, very efficient. It really kind of just defaults. It runs an algorithm. It plugs in an equation and says, here's what I really want. Take an opportunity to take a beat stop, drop, and disrupt (laughs) that type of thinking to really be conscious about finding different kinds of talent. It's just like in in sports, right? We say that we have all of these different kinds of individuals on a sports team that play different positions. What are the different types of positions and different types of cognitive thinking that maybe you want on your team? Okay. And so am I kind of correct to understand that unconscious bias is something that all of us do and it's, you know, sort of those heuristics or those neural pathways that we've created these shortcuts in our mind. And and so we're sort of generating the default position or way of thinking And this disruptive thinking just gets us to take an opportunity to take a step back and say, what am I not considering here? Absolutely. Absolutely. We all suffer from unconscious bias. No one is immune. No one is immune. And it is something that we absolutely do without thinking. It's just autopilot. And so taking that opportunity to even kind of sit down and make a list of what is it that we're really looking for and how can we think about a position differently and search differently to fill that position. And how can we become more aware of our own unconscious biases? Because, of course, they are unconscious after all. 
Right. So there's lots of free online tools that can help you do that. Project Implicit at Harvard, the Harvard Project Implicit is one really great free tool that you can kind of go online, log in and take lots of different tests. And they'll give you some really interesting information about how you think about a particular subject. And kind of some of it is just having a little bit of self pushback and thinking about how you consider something. What is it that you're missing? What piece of information might change your mind about something? Oh, that's a really great point and a great resource. I I can't wait to check it out. I think I've been on some parts of that website before, but definitely want to go back again and and make sure I've unlocked my own unconscious biases as well. I want to share some information about your column called Diversity Toolbox for sure. today's Veterinary Business Magazine. I have to say, Lisa, one of my favorite articles is from August of 2018 titled Fairness and Equity for All. In it, you talk about applying an equity framework to decision making to help mitigate disparities. Can you share some examples about how we could apply an equity framework in our daily lives? Sure. So in that particular article, I think that that's the one that I talk about, kind of um, the ice cream cone, yep, yep. <laughs> um, where essentially I have two kids. If you do the assignment, then you get ice cream. And one kid does the assignment, gets the ice cream. And the other kid doesn't do the assignment, doesn't get the ice cream. But then you realize that they don't have access to all of the tools to do the assignment. So an equity framework actually considers the fact that not everyone is playing on the same field, um, right? And so we talk about that leveling of the playing field. When we talk about kind of a a sporting metaphor, we say, oh, okay, we're playing baseball. Well, clearly you have a bat and you have a mint pitcher's mitt and all of those kinds of things, right? But not everyone does. So in this particular type of framework, when we're thinking about filling positions or even choosing new leaders, we really have to think about, well, what background is this particular individual coming from? Are they, haven't they have, have they had all of the same type of opportunities? And if they haven't, how do we value the types of opportunities or the types of experiences that they have had? And so some of the things that I've, I've written about in, in some of my other work at AAVMC is also kind of this concept of grit. So for example, applicants um, to veterinary school may not have had all of the experiential hours. They may have had a low-income background. They may have worked all of these times during the, their undergraduate experience, but they've done all of these things <laughs> because they didn't have have the resources, right? And so they've shown this capacity to work very, very hard that we value. So it really is an opportunity when we're looking for new leadership or new, new talent to think about how do we value the type of experiences that individuals are bringing and what those experiences will do, the type, the type of thinking that goes on in a room. And so that really is kind of what, for me, I, I really kind of advocate in terms of thinking about equity. That's a great, great perspective. And so often we're also, you know, sort of talking about the importance of resiliency to your point about grit. People who have grit most likely have a greater ability to be resilient or be creative problem solvers, which could be exceptionally important in any number of settings and in business settings that way on it, especially in the healthcare professions. So Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I tell people all the time that if you're if you're interested in kind of how folks deal with crisis, look for your grittiest folks, right? Because they typically had to deal with a few more crises along the along the way, and so they've developed a skill that 
basically is the not freak out skill, <laughs> right? They're a lot cooler under pressure because they've had to they've had to learn how to be um, cool under pressure um, uh, due to multiple exposures. And so, um, you know, when you're looking at again, opportunities to, to bring someone aboard and you have a high stress or, or um, a board that really is dealing with contentious issues, bringing on someone who has kind of a little bit of a gritty background may actually pro, um, provide some of the calm for the group that, that might be necessary. In preparing for this podcast, you shared with me some journal articles that we could share with the audience. And one that I found to be particularly powerful, insightful, and quite simply found myself wondering how I was ever going to restrain myself from reading the entire <laughs> six-page article to our listeners, was this article by Alice Eagley and Jean Chin, published in the April 2010 American Psychologist, called Diversity and Leadership in a Changing World. And I, I just thought I would give you an opportunity and see what insights that you had there. They, it was just such a wide-ranging overview of this topic and such an interesting and easy-read format, I thought. Oh, it's a great one. <laughs> I'm so glad that you love that article. Um, I think that a couple of things that are, are worthy of note in that particular article. One, yes, we don't have as much literature specifically around um, kind of racial, ethnic differences in terms of leadership. But what we do know is that there's, there are sometimes expectations that people conform to kind of more traditional white male or masculine type leadership profiles, right? But we also find that there are individuals who bring just cultural nuances that are very, very different to leadership. So you may have groups that are comfortable with more types of um, vocal or verbal ag aggression, right? They, they portray more confidence. Um, you may have folks that culturally deal with conflict in a more soothing manner. You have individuals who are incredible problem solvers, began, again, because of that background, a bit of a gritty background to kind of that they're bringing to their experience in leadership. There are some really, really, really great things in this article. I can't emphasize it enough. But one of the biggest things that I found really remarkable about this particular article was how individuals, leaders who have an opportunity from marginalized or historically underrepresented backgrounds traditionally over or outperform. And so they are very, very high achieving. They are great performers. They're going to benefit the whole group really kind of seek out those opportunities to diversify your leadership and diversify your teams because those folks are really going to bring some value. And that is really kind of the underpinning to the research that you mentioned earlier that drives profitability. That more diverse team, you're bringing in some really remarkable talent that shakes up the balance. Oh, it's so important to have an, another viewpoint and making sure you're considering all the viewpoints because our customers are a diverse group of people. And so having that same diversity and background of experience within a team can really benefit the organization as a whole. So I, I couldn't agree more. And on the point of grit, I also just want to put a plug in for Angela Duckworth's book, Grit. Oh, yeah. um, it, her TED Talk as well is, is really fabulous. And, and I'll link to that. Anything you'd like to add on that topic? No, it's, uh, that's a, I will say though that this particular article is probably my favorite that I sent you. Um, it's really good reading. <laughs> it's a very easy journal read, which not all of them are, um, but it has some really good information in it. 
and it is just journal article six pages worth. So, you know, but I mean, every sentence was quote worthy. And I, I would just like to share um, their final thoughts with our listeners as well. They state, we advocate ending the intellectual segregation of considerations of gender, race, ethnicity, sexuality, and culture from mainstream leadership theory and their treatment as a separate domain of study. To counter this segregation, we recommend that scholars of leadership contemplate how their theories might better address diversity concerns and that scholars of diversity study leadership because this knowledge has considerable potential to illuminate issues of race, ethnicity, gender, and culture. And I, I thought that summed it up pretty nicely that we all Absolutely. need to kind of be working together. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, some of my, my work, and of course I have my own podcast, um, Diversity and Inclusion on Air, slight yes. plug there. Um, but one of the big things that we've talked about this year is intersectionality and that none of these things kind of, um, none of our personal identities exist in isolation. So you have women, you have women of color, you have men of color, you have LGBT folks. And the, the richness that type of diversity brings to a conversation is really, really important. But as much as we need research that thinks about those types of inter individuals and kind of these individual identities with respect to leadership, there is a real need to um, consider the intersectionality and the full integration of leadership research with respect to diversity and vice versa, because without it, then it will continue to be segmented. So um, I'm so glad that you brought up that kind of final point of that article, because it really is important for the future of how we understand and conceptualize leadership. I couldn't agree more. To your point of intersectionality, I, I'd like to sort of also talk about this amazing idea raised by Quinetta Robertson in her TED Talk, The Science of Inclusion. Mm -hmm. And she reminds us that the term inclusion can still be exclusionary. And maybe a better term would be fusion. Yes. And that the energy generated from fusion produces one of the most powerful impacts in the universe. So maybe we can use our diverse experiences to have a powerful impact on the world. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That TED Talk is, a, is really amazing. And I really thought that is, as a DNI professional, diversity and inclusion professional, it's a bit provocative because we, we love diversity and inclusion and kind of we've spent so many years talking about diversity and now we've kind of moved to this idea of thinking about inclusion. But I think that that TED Talk really takes the next step. And it's not just kind of how do we all get along and how do we all sit at the table, but really what teamwork is and should be is this fusion of ideas and this, this notion that we are really one. We play lots of different positions. We bring a lot of different kinds of things to that team and to that table, but really kind of that the output should be an amalgamation or a fusion of what happens there. No, absolutely. And before I listened to that TED Talk, I was really thinking I was going to have you on this podcast to talk about, you know, once we get everyone at the table and we become diverse organizations, how can we really be inclusive? And, and I think I now want to just skip over that conversation and say, you know, how can we now have fusion? How can we now really incorporate all of those ideas? Because maybe it's not enough to be diverse and inclusive, but really we have to be have these generation of ideas that all come together in a really meaningful way. Absolutely. I, I will say, though, 
I, I will push back just a little sure. bit that we do need to have important conversations still about inclusion because we do still, frankly, I'll be really blunt, have those moments at the table where a woman or a person of color may say something and then someone else <laughs> says the same thing and that is the, the comment that is acknowledged. And so there does still need to be work to make sure that the environment actually is conducive for that type of fusion output. Very fair. And, and I appreciate that pushback. <laughs> this is why we're having these conversations to start really talking about not only what these terms are, but what they mean and how we can really incorporate those. Because I think there's still some disconnect between saying the words and then what does that mean? What does that look like? How do we take the action? How do we implement that? Yeah, I mean, and I think that that's where folks kind of, that that is where the breakdown happens, right? And I think that oftentimes we all make it far more difficult <laughs> than it has to be. A lot of times, I, I mean, I come from a, a background where with very strong parents and, and, you know, my mom and my my father grew up in the civil rights era. And a lot of times I'm very pragmatic in, a, in the way that I approach this work. A lot of times I think about the fact that ultimately I need people to bring their act right to work. <laughs> and so, and bringing your act right to work helps to make sure that that environment is inclusive, is diverse and inclusive, um, meaning that we are practicing behaviors that actually respect one another's humanity, our identity, um, and that we value those experiences and the content and competence that we all bring to the table. Um, and again, that is what gets us. That's when, that's when the magic happens. Um, that's when we get to that fusion. That's when we get to that output that really results in the 33% increases or the 42% increases. That's where the magic really happens is when you bring your act right to work <laughs> and you really think about what does that mean in a very tangible way? How do we treat people? How do we see people? How do we hear people? And how do we respect people? And that's not a term that I'm familiar with. You said act right or act right or I'm, I'm sorry. I, I really want to learn and make sure it's clear for our listeners. So this is this is what I call Elisa's mamaism. <laughs> this is from my mom. So I'm not sure you're going to find it in the literature, but I tell people all the time: it is bring your act right. A C T. Okay. Okay. I just want to make sure I was hearing correctly. Um, I think that's a great, great saying and, and really drives it home, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you show up for everyone else, then they will show up for you. If Absolutely. you come and, and you're ready to participate fully and, and be empathetic and understanding and, and listening and engaging, then hopefully you can, you can see that back as well. Yes, absolutely. Okay, great. Act right. <laughs> Act right. Great. Is there anything else that you'd like to add on this topic? Oh, I could I could go on and on. Um, one of the the other things that I think, um, and you've just alluded to it, and we talked about it, kind of touched on it again in this previous segment with the act right piece is authenticity, and that is really kind of thinking about bringing your whole self into a room. Um, yes, I want you to bring your act right and treat people well, and all of those things. We're hopefully going to assume that everybody <laughs> is capable of doing that, but really, it is about being very clear. Doing 
doing some self-work and understanding and, self, um, and self-reflection about what it is, the, the skills that you have and what it is that you're bringing to the table and honoring that as well. And I think that that is really also an important part of, of leadership and diverse and, and kind of equity framework leadership. What is it that you're bringing and how do you personally value that is also really important to this type of working, thinking about what your role is on that team. Wow, that's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that to the discussion as well. Now it's time for my favorite part of every podcast episode, which is the five questions segment. And we know that the most successful and happy people have a morning routine or as I've learned through doing this podcast, an evening routine. So what do you do each morning or evening that sets your day up for success? First thing I do is hit the snooze button, <laughs> maybe <laughs> once or twice. You mentioned that I have a terrier mix. Um, Barkley is four years old. I typically get up before five in the morning to walk him about two miles. Um, he's a 10, mile, 10 pound dog, but he loves to walk. And so um, we get that exercise in first thing in the morning. And you know, I get to see what's going on in the neighborhood and I get in some exercise, he gets in some exercise and it's just our quiet time. Um, and I, I ponder things, I listen to audio books, I listen to podcasts, or sometimes I listen to nothing at all. But that's, that's my time, especially before the teenager is roused from sleep. (laughs) I love it. I love going for walks in the morning with my Siberian Husky as well. So I, I understand that value of that, that quiet time. And so often we conflate the definitions of success and happiness. So the next two questions I like to ask are what's your definition of success? And then separately, what's your definition of happiness? Oh, good. Great, great question. So success for me is impact, very simply. Impact that I have um, on the people around me, the wonderful profession that I have the pleasure and honor of working in, and my family. I, I tell people, folks that know me well know that I am a Beyonce fan. I'm not necessarily a member of Beehive, but I am a Beyonce fan. And, and she has a song called I Was Here. And it really talks about impact and kind of what is it to leave a legacy. And and for me, success is kind of driving towards if I were to step away from whatever it is that I'm doing today at home, um, at work, or just kind of in the community, what would people say about me? And I want to leave. And for me, success is that I don't want to get dragged. (laughs) I want them to say really, I want them to be able to say I made a difference and that hopefully I'm leaving the the world a a little bit better than than when the good Lord dropped me off here. (laughs) That's wonderful. And What's your definition of happiness? Oh, happiness is a good glass of red wine, um, <laughs> uh, a really excellent piece of chocolate cake, and um, a good movie or a good book. Um, that, to me, is um, and, and time with my family. I like. I have a daughter. She's about to graduate from high school, and every moment is so precious with her. Um, and so, those moments are probably when I am, you know, at my happiest. Absolutely. Wonderful. And what do you know now that you wish you would have known 10 years ago? I wish that I'd known about that authenticity. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, there are so many things I think that we all have hopes and dreams in our lives about 
you know, um, big things and little things, um, important things and random things. Um, and um, at this stage in my life, really being authentic is so important to me. And I wish that I'd had the luxury of thinking about that 10 years ago. Um, I think it's a it's a luxury to kind of get to the point of your life where you're like I've I've lived enough years to um, know what I'm doing. <laughs> I think I'm finally an adult now, and I <laughs> and I kind of had to have a handle on this life that I'm living, um, and to be able to do what I want and say what I want and really own it is is so important. And I think that there are so many of us that that don't live as authentically as we can or should. And I think that that's especially true for women and sometimes people of color. And, and um, to be at that point in my life now is super sweet. Thank you so much for sharing that with our listeners. I'm sure so many of them have gotten just immense value from that statement alone, because <laughs> it's, it's so incredibly true. And what do you think is the biggest challenge that busy professionals face in their daily lives? Uh, work-life balance struggles <laughs> um, and work creep. Um, as much as I love technology, it is the devil. And, <laughs> and <laughs> um, I love being able to have everything in my fingertips and I hate being able to have everything in my fingertips. And so about probably about five years ago, I instituted a pretty hard rule of no work emails on the weekends. I might actually every now and again look at them, but I never respond to them. I, I tell people I, um, I am not a veterinarian. I'm not a clinician of any type. I am not a first responder. It can wait. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and we have this kind of culture of urgency. And um, I think that uh, I'm no different than, than everyone else in terms of thinking about that work-life balance and trying to figure out how do you carve out that time for work and family and self-care and all of those kinds of things. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not special in that <laughs> Keeping me honest, <laughs> it's important. Hey, we are, we're all there and, and trying to figure out how and when we, we shut things off and turn them on. And, and you're right, in this day and age of 24-7 technology, there, there's no right or wrong answer, which also right. makes for some really creative um, work schedules, right? Yeah, yeah, um, it, it really, really does. But I will tell people that one of the biggest things um, in instituting that weekend policy for me, it started on a vacation one year and I stopped, I turned off the auto sync for my work email huh. on my phone. And it's made all the difference where I actually have to consciously tap the button, <laughs> tap that icon, um, open it up, pull it, and to actually manually sync it. And that, that having to do those couple of little steps made a big difference in keeping me honest um, uh, of no work emails on the weekend. And, and uh, it, it's very easy. And I took it off the homepage of my phone. <laughs> so Perfect. do that and, and it, it'll help. <laughs> Well, we definitely appreciate those actionable tips for sure. And Lisa, thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast today. How can our listeners find you if they want to learn more? You can certainly find me um, at AAVMC. My email address is lgreenhill at aavmc.org. Um, that's probably the easiest way to find me. You can also, of course, uh, find me on uh, AAVMC's podcast, Diversity and Inclusion on Air, which is available through YouTube or SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. And on that show, we actually explore all kinds of diversity and inclusion topics in veterinary medicine, including leadership. 
Yes. And I highly recommend that everyone subscribe. So, (laughs) well, thank you again and have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the show. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Beyond the Stethoscope. I hope you are inspired to take actionable steps towards accomplishing your goals and living your dreams. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Send us an email, let us know you left it, and we will enter you into a drawing for some of my favorite books from guests who've been featured on our podcast in the past and some of our guests that are coming up. Details will be in the show notes.